welcome to Crime Time with Maggie Sten. What you're going to be listening to is a series of episodes called The Times Aren't Changing, They Have Changed. With me is Rod Murray, who has a lot of questions. Today's topic, Maggie, choosing a lawyer, something most people probably haven't done in their life. Yes, that's right. Well, I disagree with you, Rod. Most people probably have, but not a criminal lawyer. Not a criminal lawyer. Exactly. Good point. Let's start with, before we come to that, the history of law. It's a fascinating one, isn't it? It is. It's really fascinating because the legal profession has its origins in ancient Greece and Rome. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in ancient Greece, and this is even more fascinating, if you were speaking on behalf of someone, you weren't allowed to be remunerated for it. Do we know why? What was the thinking behind that? Well, the thinking was that you don't do it for money, that it's something that's just done because people need justice. So naturally... In ancient Greece, everybody did do it, but it wasn't legal. That carried on to the modern legal profession because if you look at England, which is the Westminster system, which is where we get our laws from, it was only the very wealthy or the wealthy, the upper classes, that could become lawyers. Now, it's probably a good thing to remember that when we're talking about the first half of the 20th century and really three quarters of the 20th century and definitely the 19th century, there was no middle class. They just didn't exist. There was a working class and there was a upper class or in England it was the aristocracy and in Australia it was just the upper class. So... To become a lawyer, you had to do time. If you wanted to become a solicitor, you had to have a master solicitor. You went to law school, then you had to have a master solicitor that you spent a couple of years with, and you had to pay that master to be with you. Like a reverse apprenticeship? Yes, absolutely. And um, for a barrister, it was the same thing. You didn't have to pay the barrister, but the barrister had to want to take you on. So not only were you not earning any money, but you had to pay money. And at the same time, you had to eat and you had to have a roof over your head. So it was really only for people who could afford it. Was that the case here in Australia as well, Matthew? Absolutely. In, in Australia too? It was the same case in Australia. Wow. Um, It was exactly the same case in Australia. In fact, our first solicitor was Frederick Garling, who um, was 1775 to 1848. He was the first senior solicitor of the Supreme Court established in the colony of New South Wales, right? Don't forget that the colony was only established in 1788 and the colony was established for convicts. So Frederick Garley was certainly not a convict and he came out here and he was the lawyer on one of the fleets and he set 
He was the first solicitor of the Supreme Court. Right from the outset, we had a legal system. Yes, yes, but it wasn't the legal system as you know as you know no. it now. Certainly, didn't have juries. It was all at the governor's pleasure, basically. But what's very interesting about Frederick Garling is that he, his descendants, were judges of the district and Supreme Court during my time. The late Judge Anthony Garling was in the district court and um, Justice Peter Garling is a Supreme Court judge now. Wow. So you could say law is in their blood. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now they so, – so that was the case with, with um, lawyers – and I guess that's how come lawyers were seen, particularly barristers or lawyers, solicitors as well, as snooty. They were snooty. They were the upper classes. Mm. You know, they spoke a different English. They tended to speak BBC English. Australians didn't speak BBC English. They did on TV, on TV but, not, and radio, yeah, but right, not, not, not normal people. I mean, normal people went into a solicitor's office and didn't have a clue. And they weren't treated very well. They were treated like a different class. I don't – that all – I guess that sort of came with the territory. And again, like everything else, when the legal profession started in Australia and in England, it was all men. Mm-hmm. It was all men. Women came much, much later. When? When are we talking for? We are talking about the first female to obtain a law degree in the United Kingdom was in 1892. Wow. But again, she wouldn't have been able to practice properly because they had the same problems as Australia did. The first female lawyer in the USA was in 1869 and her name was Arabella Mansfield. Now, that's actually quite early when you consider the first law school was Harvard Law School and that wasn't set up till 1837. So there wasn't anything to say women couldn't go to law school, but the deans wouldn't have them. And in fact, if you look at that movie about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she had a lot of trouble getting into university. And when she got there, the dean just, she was treated appallingly and this kept happening. And in fact, this Arabella Mansfield managed to get in there because the dean was on holidays. He certainly wasn't happy when he came back, but she was there. And she wasn't officially really allowed to practice, but she did. But back to Australia. Australia, in the scheme of things, when you think that we were a new country, a very new country, the colony was established in 1788, and yet our first woman to complete a law degree was Ada Evans, and she completed it in 1902. But she couldn't practice because the Women's Legal Status Act became law in 1918. That act allowed women to join the legal profession and it allowed them to um, become members of parliament. It allowed them to do certain things. But she never practised because once the act in 
1918, she could then do articles, which was the practical course. Mm -hmm. So she could go and do the practical course at Sydney Law School, which meant that she had to be articled with a solicitor and go to lectures about that. So by the time she finished, it was 1920. So it had been 18 years since she'd actually studied law and she decided she wasn't going to do that because she didn't want to be seen as just tokenism and as a woman and she felt she'd be incompetent. Mm. That time in between, Maggie, 1902 to 1918, she's passed some sort of a law degree yes. but can't practice. yes. How do that? How does that? How is that? How does that work? How can that be? Well, it can be because you've got to remember. Obviously, Ada Evans to have even gone to mm. university had to be upper class, upper class, right? Working class women were maids, cleaners. Um, they worked in factories. I don't even think they worked in shops. I think that was more upper class, but poor upper class. So women just didn't work. Didn't work. If you're really poor, you had to work because you were someone's maid because everybody had maids. Yeah. Um, but that's what happened. She yeah. just – it's a – and this, I think it's not only in law, but I think when we look at – the changes in everything today, the changes come with society. It's not just one area. No, not one profession. Or, yeah, It's yeah. always broader, isn't it? Yeah. Which just, just before we move on, Maggie, it's probably a bit of a rabbit hole. Is there or what is the broader impact on the legal system and the way that system operates of having no women as part of it? Is there an impact from that? Well, there would have been – no, not now there isn't, but there would have been, yes, because all the laws were made by men. The laws were made by men anyway because that was part of our constitution and the world was run by men. Yeah. I can remember even when I first started and that was in the early 80s and I was had a general was working in general practice at the time and I had to ring a solicitor about a personal injury case and I was trying to settle it and I got on the phone and asked to speak to Mr. Whatever and the secretary put me through to Mr. Whatever and I said, you know, hi, my name is Maggie Stenner and I'm calling about and he said, are you a solicitor? Wow. And I also take it aback. I said, yes, are you? <laughs> Fabulous opening. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable, isn't it, to think that's that's not that long ago either. No, it's not so. that long ago at all. Yeah. But that's exactly what it was like. Quite extraordinary. Tell us a bit about the hierarchy of law, Maggie. Okay. You've mentioned solicitors and I think you mentioned yeah. Q What's the what's the pecking order? Oh, right. Of the pecking order is you start with Queen they were called Queen's Council up until the um What's the anti-monarchy movement called? The, the Republican movement. Yeah, the Republican movement. Until the Republican movement decided that that's just not on, so we'll call them senior council. Late 90s maybe, somewhere around yeah, the mid-90s? So. Yeah, yeah they're so senior council and Queen's council are the same. Mm. I'm talking about the state of New South Wales because yep. in other states you still have Queen's council. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's that wonderful line in the film The Castle when he meets that lawyer. He meets the lawyer at... Um, 
at the technical college or in town somewhere, wherever they are, and he's there because his daughter has just got her hairdressing right. diploma, <laughs> and he's there because it's his son's first day in court. <laughs> And and he says, you know, he's a Queen's counsel, so he takes him home because he thinks he can help him. So he introduces him to his wife and he says, you know, this is Queen's counsel. And she said, wow, you counsel the Queen. It's <laughs> one of anyone who hasn't seen it, one of the all-time great Australian movies, yeah. The Castle. Well, well, look at that movie. That's what, what lawyers were like. Remember Dennis DeNuto, the solicitor? Yeah. He poured the water. Yeah. <laughs> He poured the water. He did notice he he wasn't allowed to talk. Mm. And you, in fact, when he did talk, you saw how he did talk. It wasn't real good. No, he's writing those. Great. Do you want a glass of water? Yeah, I think yeah. is what he wrote. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. Because solicitors didn't. So you had Queen's counsel or senior counsel. So they're at the top. They're the top. Then you had junior counsel. Then um, you had the lowly solicitor. And the lowly, and in fact, I've even heard barristers, um, because, you know, it's the legal profession that are good at looking down on each other. Right. They're the best at it. <laughs> um, I've even heard barristers refer to solicitors as a post box for barristers. Yeah, this. So junior and senior counsel are barristers? Yes. And the next level down is solicitors? Yes. Now, Having said all that, let me tell you that the Legal Profession Act tried to change all those things. And if you are in New South Wales, you are admitted as a solicitor and barrister of the Supreme Court of New South Wales. But you then choose which area you practice in. So if you become a barrister, you have to do the bar course. If you want to become a solicitor, you then have to do the um College of Knowledge, College of Law, um, the, the solicitor's practical course. But in Victoria, um, they do the same thing, but they practice – Victorian solicitors go to court wearing a wig and gown. Right. Whereas we don't. So it's a state by state basis. Yes, yeah, it's completely a state by state's different. We don't wear wigs and gowns. And do solicitors uh, and barristers practice across borders? Can you go to Queensland and practice yes, as a solicitor? No, you, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, yeah, because there's a uniform law now. Um, but it's only in the last 30 years that solicitors went to court. Even when I first started, it was very rare to see a solicitor. I mean, my first office was out in Bankstown because I started my father's practice and he was there. Um, so I'd go to Bankstown Court because we were right next door to Bankstown Court. And you'd see barristers coming from the city to do a five-minute mention. Just lawyers just, solicitors just did not go to court. And who made those rules? Were they rules or were they just precedents? They were precedents. Right. It wasn't... Just was it, it given that you wouldn't have a solicitor yes, appear in court? For yes, them. yeah, yeah. It was just it was just the way it was. The same as once upon a time, senior counsel didn't appear without junior counsel, which meant that um, a day in court, even... 30 years ago could easily cost you close to $10,000 because, you know, you had to have the three people there. That's a whole discussion about justice, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Who gets access to it? Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's that a is separate a whole, episode. Yeah, that is. And, and I think that that's just hanging on to that old thing of I'm very special because I have done this. 
I mean, I can't talk for other areas in law, but I can certainly cha- tell you that that's just changed in crime. If if a criminal lawyer behaved like that today, in my view, they'd starve to death because people don't need to put up with that any longer. Which is a good thing. It's a very fair. good thing. You know, your lawyer doesn't have to be rude to you. Your lawyer doesn't have to look down on you. They're supposed to be there to help you. And you're paying them for the privilege. Yeah, exactly. You happen to be a yeah, customer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and in it. fact, and in fact, when um, you're on legal aid panels, because legal aid is a government body that is access to law for people and who don't have a lot of money, and there's a means test. So when you get put on a panel for legal aid, one of the things that you have to sign and do, which I always found very strange because in my view, that shouldn't even be a consideration, um, was that you had to treat legal aid clients with respect. Yes. It had to be stated. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think is indicative of how things used to be. For a profession and a system based, you would think, predominantly on fairness and equity, these are extraordinary Mm. sorts of notions, aren't they? Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's it's quite staggering. All right, so we've got the barristers, we've got the solicitors. We're coming to the real point of this. How do I choose a lawyer and what lawyer should I choose, Maggie? I found myself in trouble in some way, some sort of a criminal matter. I've not been in trouble in a criminal matter before. Where do I start? How do I go about looking for a lawyer and what do I look for? Well... Okay. It, firstly, it would depend what you're actually charged with. But I think the same rules probably apply if you've been charged with a drink driving or you've been charged with a murder. Right. Obviously, if you've been charged with a murder, you're probably in custody. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a lot of access to a lot of things. But if you've been charged with a drink driving, it's just as important. Firstly, you can go to jail mm-hmm. sometimes. Secondly, it still needs to be done correctly and you need the best result because if for whatever reason you get a bad result, let's say you're jailed, if you commit other crimes after that, it's very hard for a court to give you a lesser sentence. Sentences go up, not down. Part of sentencing, is it? Yeah. Like to look at, not yeah. part of trial, but part of sentencing yes. for the judge yeah. to look at previous yeah. convictions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you can – I mean, I've had, I've had so many people walk into my office who have terrible criminal records, which they should have never, ever had. They've got convictions for things that they should have got good behaviour bonds for. Poorly represented? Or is that what you're I saying? would say poorly represented, yes. So it's an important decision, regardless yes. of the nature Poorly of the represented. I mean, maybe the representation wasn't so poor and the judicial officer was very bad. But either way, there wasn't an appeal and it stayed there. So, you know, once you've got a conviction, particularly in today's climate, you can't join the armed forces. You can't work for the government. There's very little you can do. It's a it's a much more it has a much bigger impact on people's lives than those of us who don't have convictions ever think about, doesn't it? Absolutely. It, it really is There's a, certain countries you can't get into. Yeah, yeah. It really does, and more and more so, because people look it up. You know, particularly now that um, there's offences to do with children are so prominent, people are very, very careful. So they ask for police checks and things. Well, that'll come up then. It's just 
It's, I think, is poor representation. It's something you want to avoid as a conviction, particularly that leads to a jail sentence. Yes, yes. If at all possible. And how much of that is down to the lawyer, Maggie? <sighs> you probably can't put a figure on no, it, you I can't, guess. But- you can't put a figure on it. Look, there are some cases that are just not winnable. No. You know, there are some cases where people walk in your office and you say, look, you have to plead guilty to you've this. You've done the wrong thing. Yeah, you've done the <laughs> wrong thing. You have to plead guilty to it. There is no defence. Even if you plead guilty, you then still have to minimise mi- minimize the casualty, and that's what it is. So that's a good lawyer can do that. And that's the role of lawyer. We see this, of course, it's always a conundrum that, that people throw up on TV, and TV law is not real law, obviously. Yeah. But what is the role of the defence lawyer? Defending the guilty. Are there moral conundrums about that? No. How you go about it? No. Everybody is entitled to a defence. And in fact, I can't remember who said it, but whoever said it's better than 100 guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. And that's true. Everyone is entitled to a defence and everyone under the Westminster system is presumed innocent until proven guilty. So if you're going to make moral judgments, you shouldn't be a lawyer or a criminal lawyer. Because cases are made up of facts, aren't they? Cases are made up of facts. So if I mean, you can think the person's guilty and you can look at the facts, you can look at their brief of evidence and, for instance, you know, you come into me and um, I say to you, well, this is how I would operate. I say, Rod, don't tell me anything up until I've read your brief. This is for a big matter, okay? The reason for that is because not only am I your lawyer, but I'm also an officer of the court. So therefore, I cannot lie to a court I cannot make things up to a court because I'm really there to see the justice is done. As the DPPR and as the judges, I think all too often we all forget our roles, but that's what really we're supposed to be doing. So I'd say, I don't, I don't want to hear from you, okay, till later. Once I've read your brief, I then say, okay, now, look, there's this, 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 tell me about this. And then I'd advise you. So you need to see what the court's going to see first so you yes. can think of it in a legal sense rather yes. than hearing whatever I may have to say, which may be an appalling, heart-breaking yes. story of circumstances. Yes. That's not necessary to for you yes. initially. Yes. Or even, yes, or even worse still, if you are a hardened criminal and you – and by hardened criminal I mean someone who has – has a criminal record, they're part of the criminal milieu, um, they're not a good law-abiding citizen. You walk in and say, okay, I'm charged with murder and yeah, 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 look, I killed him but we're pleading not guilty. I said, no, we're not. We're not because I now can't act for you. And the reason why I can't act for you is because you have told me that and a posit- positive questions can't be put to any of the witnesses. What does that mean, positive What question? that means is you can't say to a witness, he wasn't there, was he? You've told me you were there, you did it. Right. That avenue's been removed from Yeah, I or- can give you a defence, but not going to be a good one. Right, yeah. So, But I also don't have a duty to ring the police and say, and hey, say, I don't have a duty to do that. You might have the opposite, might you? Exactly, mm. exactly, because it's solicitor-client privilege. Right, yeah. But what what... 
I would say to you is, look, I can't act for you for these reasons. Here's your brief. Unless you want to plead guilty, go away. And don't tell your next lawyer the same thing. Just told me, perhaps, if you're you're thinking things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, that's the standard dinner party question. Mm. How can you live with yourself acting for these guilty people? Well, it's not my role or any other lawyer's role to decide whether a person's guilty or not. No. That's for a judge and jury. It's a it's a fascinating thing to consider, isn't it? It's a yes. much bigger thing to consider than most people yes. do. But yes, it's a it's a it's a crucially vital role in our legal system is the defence lawyer. Yes. They're That's crucial. right. Back to how I find one. What sort of information as a member of the public, assuming I'm not in custody, can I find out about various let's say I've narrowed it down I I've seen your name somewhere, Maggie, and I've seen two other lawyers' names. What sorts of things should I be looking for and what sort of information is available to you? Okay. Well, what you should be looking for is the experience the lawyers Mm -hmm. had and in the field that you're looking for. And is that readily available, that information? Well, it depends. It depends. Now there's the internet. Mm -hmm. I'd say every second lawyer is on the internet. and It's a business like any other, isn't it, being a, a lawyer? It's a business like any other and this is why... You know, you asked me earlier why lawyers weren't supposed to be paid, and there's your answer, Mm. because you have to put your client's interests before your own interests. That's where the money is a real problem, Mm -hmm. and it's particularly a problem in modern-day life because it is a business, unfortunately, now lawyers have to eat and drink Mm -hmm. and just generally live, but they can't put their clients' interests after their own interests. It can't be a conflict. So, It's an imperfect that, system, isn't it? It's an imperfect system. It really should go back to that lawyers can't be paid. I'm slitting my own throat here. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful nirvana that would yeah, be if yeah. we could have a system where lawyers and doctors yes. and others didn't need to be paid. Exactly. But it's not how we work. No, it? no. So... The internet is not necessarily the answer because some people have great websites, some people don't. Marketing comes into it. If you're a better marketer than another lawyer, it doesn't mean you're a better lawyer. Exactly, exactly. Um, But if someone's been around a long time and you see their name a lot, it means they have a good reputation. Usually, you don't, particularly in criminal law, you don't survive a long time. If you're not much good. Right. So I'd look at experience. I'd look at the price. The price, again, is important. Will they be reasonably comparable or is there a major difference between lawyers? There can be, but it's not... It's not that major, but it's not like getting a plumber. No. You know, we get phone calls all the time. I'd like a quote on this. Well, we don't give quotes over the phone. And the reason why we don't give quotes over the phone is that we don't have one price that fits all. Every job is bespoke, isn't it? Exactly. And you haven't got time on the phone to get a person's subjective features, to read all their material. You just can't. So anyone who thinks it's like getting a plumber or buying a new stove, it's not. It's different. But again, you do get what you pay for. Hmm. If someone has a good reputation and if they are experienced, they are pretty busy. Many of us, I suspect, in a situation like this, Maggie, might go to the solicitor that our family has used to do wills, buy and sell houses, property transactions and those kinds of things and ask their advice. Is that a good idea? Look, it can be a good idea depending on the solicitor because 
that sort of solicitor, um, if it's a really serious matter, would then not, would make inquiries. On your behalf. Yes. Cut yes. out some of the time and effort required. Yes. A bit of uh, yes. And you can also go to the Law Society and the Law Society okay. will give you three names to oh, choose from. Okay. So you can do that. Um, that's quite a good idea. But no matter who refers you, no matter what their reputation is, the most important thing is you have to feel comfortable with that lawyer. There has to be some sort of empathy between you. There just has to be because you have to trust this person because if something goes wrong, you are going to be blaming that person first. It's high stakes too, isn't it? Maybe? It's We're high not- stakes. And the other problem is too that people always think, oh, well, I can appeal. Well, yeah, you can appeal. But as I say, an appeal is like playing tennis with one arm tied mm. behind your back. Yeah, you've already had something ruled out yes. of the game, haven't you? Yes, <laughs> that yes. You don't and get there are all play. sorts of rules for appeals. Of course, appeals. yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, and you mentioned their price. Is the law affordable for most of us under these circumstances or is a criminal proceeding going to be a really financially damaging thing for most people? I think that it is affordable for most people because you do have legal aid. And the reality is if a lawyer wants to specialise in criminal law, I do not believe that they can do so in New South Wales and not be on legal aid panels unless they have the most boring criminal law practice on earth. It's a requirement, you mean, that they have to... No, it's not a requirement. No, there are lawyers that say we don't do legal aid. Oh, right, okay. Fine. But there's not too many Rupert Murdoch's or Jamie Packer's running around the place. Right. Right? Most criminals do not have a lot of money, and particularly the real hardened criminals because they don't want to spend it. <laughs> and once the Crime Commission and all these things come in and seize their money, that's a whole other ball. Right, yeah. So I don't believe that to have a successful interest in criminal practice, you cannot do legal aid. So, even, and legal aid, as I said, has a means test. So, even if you work, you may have to give a contribution. Legal aid make you pay a contribution, but then you get a lawyer. Now, that then gets into other things with legal aid don't necessarily always give you the lawyer of your choice because there's the legal aid commission. But I really do believe because of legal aid and because of the way most criminal lawyers operate, criminal law is affordable okay. or it can be. And that's encouraging to yeah. it. It's an important in a society, isn't it? That that it be yeah, it is. It is. Uh, last thing from me, Meg, you know, you've probably got some things to finish up on. Most of us, like we do with most things in life, probably get far too much of our view of how the law and lawyers work from television and movies. Yes, yes. How how reflective of the actual legal system are the programs we often see on TV, the dramas in particular, obviously? Well, most of them are American, so our system is a bit different to the American system. Firstly, they don't wear the wigs and gowns like we do. Um, It's... And we don't run around the courtrooms and... Performative, theatrical acts of convincing juries about things. Yeah, it's not that. And it's not nearly as exciting to actually sit in a courtroom and watch trial 
There can be some interesting things, but the majority of it's very boring for the spectator. Lots of legalese, yes, lots of points yes, of Yes, and particularly law. now because the laws become very complicated. You have telephone intercepts. You have um, other intercepts. You have surveillance. You've got forensics. You've got, you know, chains of um, property. It's particularly in anything to do with money can be the most boring thing in the world because you get financial records that go on for weeks. So, yeah, no, it's not that exciting. But, of course, something you've raised there, of course, for the lawyer to try and stay on top of is this ever-growing, and it seems exponentially growing, body of evidence that you might have to deal with as technology has given us more and more information about things. It is. It is. Look, once upon a time, even when I started 36 years ago, you could go to the local court, you could do a plea, um, the whole court would be closed at 11, everyone was finished. Not anymore. Now everybody wants written submissions and they want 100 cases and it's got very, very complicated, And more so, which is why people really need to know what they're doing. Yeah. Maggie, simple advice for someone who finds themselves in trouble or perhaps I suppose the three takeaways from this episode of choosing mm. a lawyer uh, under what will probably be a fairly stressful set of circumstances. Don't go to a lawyer that doesn't specialise in that field. So do not go to your local lawyer who's done your will, who thinks, oh, well, you know, it's only a drink driving, I can do it. No. Does that happen much? I think so. I think it does. I think it does because I think other forms of law are probably a bit dull. So, you know, that sort of lawyer with the general practice. Back to the castle. You're a lawyer. This is about the law. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So don't do that. Um, Make sure that you have empathy with that lawyer and the lawyer has empathy with you. Like a doctor, I guess. It's a similar relationship. It's exactly the same thing. Mm. And if you feel there's something not right, there probably isn't. So don't go to that lawyer. And certainly don't go to the cheapest one. Do a bit of research. Take it seriously. There are serious repercussions of of not getting the best legal representation. Yes. And do your best. Maggie, fascinating stuff. There's another 10 episodes raised just within some of the points in that episode, I think. Well, that's what law's like, and that's why it's exciting. It's endlessly fascinating, isn't it? It's been fabulous to chat today. 